0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. We're meant to be starting a new series today all about Paul. And uh, I spend most, of, uh, most of, sort of September, October, considering what we should be teaching the following year. And in, in October last year, I came up with this idea of a year of adventure. beyond would be on this adventure of raising funds for a new church building. What could that look like? And this idea of journeying with different people through the Bible. Of, the, of We had the um, band of brothers and looking at Jesus and his followers, the 12 disciples. We spent some time looking at one of them, Peter. And we said, yeah, great. And then I want to look at the journeys of Paul. If you ever looked at the New Testament, Paul went on some crazy adventures, shipwrecks, bitten by snakes, you know, getting arrested in and out of prison, left, right and center. And I thought this would be a great to look at the adventures of Paul and, and look at that kind of adventurous lifestyle he had. Uh, but then as a leadership team, we're speaking a few weeks ago and we said, you know, the thing we want to really push into is an area of hospitality, we do a welcome piece pretty well. At the church here, new people come and they say, Thank you so much for the welcome I've received. It's great we've got our newcomers' lunch today. I don't know Trevor Bond, who's on the screen earlier, is probably responsible for welcoming most people to this church at some point with his Filofax open and his pen in his hand. Tried to introduce him to technology, but no, the Filofax works best, he says. But we want to make sure we're not just welcoming people, wide open doors and here's a coffee. We want to really get to know people and to reach out beyond our comfort zones and to see what hospitality looks like in our church. So I tried to fit it into the story of Paul, which you kind of could have done, but I went, no, let's just look at what does it mean to be radical and adventurous in our hospitality? What does it really mean? What does hospitality mean? What is it all about? So the next five weeks, we're going to be pulling apart this idea of hospitality. And already some of you are thinking, oh, no, they're going to start asking us to open our doors more and get people around for meals and all this kind of stuff. Some of you think you can't wait. Can I just say, I'm one of the worst at some of this stuff. You probably don't believe me, but it's true. Um, last Sunday was my daughter, Flo's. She got, she got baptized. And my wife, who is the hospitable one out of the two of us, said, let's have all the family round for lunch. I'm one of six children. They've all got children. And we had, come on round. So we had all of our family. We had all of Lottie's family. And we had loads of friends. We had 45 people for lunch. All right. Now, I'm not great on a Sunday afternoon. I try and give my all on a Sunday morning. So by Sunday afternoon, I'm literally having a sneaky nap in the corner. So the idea of having 45 people come into my house wasn't something I was completely enthralled about. In fact, I was caught out doing the nodding donkey impression. You know that one you sort of fall asleep and you sort of do that whole kind of waking up in the middle of a conversation with somebody? I was doing that last Sunday afternoon. I'm not convinced I'm always as hospitable or kind or thoughtful about others as I could be. I've still got loads to learn. And Lottie is leading the way and I'm slowly learning from her. She absolutely nailed it, 45 people for lunch and after she said to me, she said, oh, that was quite straightforward. I think we could do that again. So if you're around for lunch today. Lottie's cooking. No, she's not. So here we go. I want to read to you a, a short bit from Deuteronomy. Um, This is the story of the people of Israel. They've escaped from Egypt. They're out of slavery. We looked at Moses a couple of years ago, and uh, they've escaped from um, the the slavery there from the Egyptians, and they've been 40 years wandering around the wilderness. And they're just about to enter the promised land, the jack in the box moment. The promised land is there, it's on the horizon. And just before they get there, this is the story of of Moses reminding the people about what God has done for them. And so in Deuteronomy 8, and I will tie this all together, don't worry. In Deuteronomy 8, he says this. The words should be on the screen. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply. You will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he's humbled you by letting you go hungry, And then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And I love this next verse. Wouldn't this be great? For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. That would save a lot of shopping trips, wouldn't it? I know some people in the house think, no, I like like the shopping piece. Yeah, I know. One pair of shoes would all we would need. They would never wear out. Wouldn't that be useful? Save so much room in my bedroom. Anyway, verse 5. Moving on quickly before I get in too much trouble. Think about it, he says. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. Then Moses carries on. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water, with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It's a land of wheat and barley, grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It's a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It's a land where iron is as common as stone, and copper is abundant in the hills. And this is the important verse. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are an incredible God, a generous, kind, extravagant God. And we pray as we look at this idea of being hospitable and reflecting your heart, help us to live as thankful people, we pray. Amen. I don't know if you can just think of a moment when you felt really blessed, like really, like. Full. I'm not just talking about after a big meal, but maybe you've had like a special experience, like a birthday or a, an event where people were just being really extra kind to you. And maybe you were given gifts or it was a wedding day or some kind of experience where you just had that moment where you just felt like, wow, I am so privileged and blessed. I am so content. That moment, feel that moment, you feel overwhelmed with kindness that you just want to thank people. You just want to say thank you for the way people have treated you. You remember that sort of moment, that feeling that we've been given so much? And that, for me, is the root of hospitality, this place of being thankful, living as thankful people. It's amazing how quickly we forget all the good things that we've, we've received in our lives, how quickly we forget and we move on to the next thing that we want in our list of acquisitions, rather than being grateful for what we do have. I want to start this adventure on hospitality series looking at the generosity of God how generous and kind and extravagant he is and therefore how thankful we need to be because hospitable starts with being thankful Google tells me this hospitality means the friendly and generous reception and entertainment entertainment of guests I know that's part of the deal the reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. That's what the, Bible, what the uh, Google tells us. Um, a few different words there. Friendliness, welcome, warm reception, helpfulness, uh, kind-heartedness, um, bountifulness. There's loads of different words there. The Bible uses hospitality in a few different places. And uh, you'll be pleased to hear, I've got a little bit of a Greek here for you. And the word for hospitality in the Bible is xenia. And that's made up of two words. You might recognize some of those words. Philo is a word for love. It's a friendly love. It's love of a friend. Xenia, you might recognize the word from xenophobia, is that, you know, the strangers. Xenia is a stranger. Hospitality simply means loving a stranger. Loving a stranger. That is all hospitality is. This idea that we love those that we don't know. Showing love to somebody that is part of your family isn't hospitality. That's what's expected of you. Showing love to someone you do not know and have never met before is true hospitality. See, Christian hospitality is a reflection of God himself. We are kind and loving to people we don't know, not because we're nice people necessarily, but because we serve and we are the sons and daughters of an amazing God who is so generous himself. His extravagance. You know, you look at creation. You look at the hundreds and thousands of different species of animals, birds, of little creepy crawlies, the, the colors that God used when he made creation. It is phenomenal. It blows my mind when I spend time to stop and look and see what God has done. You watch an episode of Planet Earth. You think, wow, God, you are incredible. You are extravagant. You are generous. God, and his love, he so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus. Said, you know what? I'm going to bless this planet. And I will send my only son because I want to show them how much I love them. His love and his generosity and his kindness and his creativity, extravagant. Our God is amazing. And it's our responsibility to better reflect who he is as his sons and daughters. You know, we start today Look at the story of Moses Moses traipsing with people through the promise, uh, to the promised land, going through the desert. For 40 years, they went round in circles. But God provided all their needs. God provided all their requirements. He provided them with shoes that never wore out, clothes that never wore out, food from heaven, manna every day, and quails to eat. God provided. It might not sound like the best meal, but it's better that than being hungry. God provided them. But how often the people of Israel started moaning to Moses. Oh, you know, when we were back in Egypt, we got this, we got that. Yeah, you were slaves. You were not in charge of your own well-being. You were doing what you were told to do. You were making bricks all day for people that would rather kill you if they had the chance. And you want to go back there? It's amazing how quickly we forget what we've been given. And we look back sometimes with rose tinted spectacles. Oh, I remember the good old days. Today is a great day. God is generous and kind. and We must be like those Israelites that Moses was correcting here. Say, come on, we're about to go in a promised land. Up your game. Think about how good God is and show your thanks to him. That verse there at the end, verse 10 in Deuteronomy. When you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. We must be people of praise. And we've got to get better at this. We've got so much given to us. Why do we not sometimes kind of we be comfortable and grateful for what we've got? Why are we always asking for more? Why can we not just be thankful? God, you're so good. We are so thankful. Why can't we just be content? Adventures and hospitality starts with being thankful. Psalm 107 reminds us, if you've received a blessing from God, we need to be people that say so. And I think sometimes, Christians are sometimes the most quiet and timid people. We've met the saviour of the world. Don't tell anyone. I'm saved forever. I have eternal life in him. He said to his son, Jesus, and I'm going to have life in all its fullness. But shh. We should be telling the world about what God has done for us. May the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I don't think we're very good at saying so. I think we have incredible stories and miracles and things that happen in our lives. And we say, oh, we'll tell the Connect group on Wednesday." say so. We've got the ability now to say things like we never did before. We can tweet, we can, we can Facebook, we can put Instagram, we can tell the world, we can say so with much more volume than we ever could before. Our words can go round the world in seconds. And yet we're so like, well, God, yeah, 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 you're good. Yeah. I remember that when I prayed tonight. Oh, thank you, God. The redeemed of the Lord should be saying so. And I'm not hearing much saying so in the house today thank you, one of you. But we need to be people that start to say so. When God blesses you, say so. When you have a good moment and God does something good in your business, in your family, in your life, in your experience, you say, say so. Tell someone the good news of Jesus Christ in your life. It isn't meant to be a secret sort of society that we hide from the world. We say so. This is what God has done. And we need to tell those around us that God has blessed us. If God has given you great provision, say so. I think we're very embarrassed, aren't we? You know, if we get given something that's really nice and someone treats us to a really sort of special meal or, you know, a holiday or, you know, kind of taking you out for the weekend or, you, oh, I don't want to tell anyone. Really? God has blessed you. Say so. Say so. Say, God, you've been so good to us. We need to be blessing those who bless us. You know, as a person, when I give something to someone, there's a great moment when they say, thank you. It's great, isn't it? You know, as a church, I want you to know we sent some flowers to Mary Spears, who left a few weeks ago. She's moved away, she's moved to be with her daughter, and she was an older member of our church community, and we sent her some flowers. And I just heard this morning she was very thankful for the flowers that we sent. But you know, here's the thing I really want us to do is not just be thankful, people. I want to be people who go, and who can I bless as well? That I receive what someone gave me, go, thank you. But now what can I do with what I've received? Can we bring that table on, um, Tim and Will? Is that all right? So hopefully most of you in your homes, you have a table, a dining table. It might not be quite as small as this. It's a lot bigger than this, but it wouldn't have fitted on the, on the stage probably. So we have um, a large family. Those don't know, we are, are one of a six in our family. I've got four children and we have a meal table. And every uh, mealtime, well, not every mealtime, most mealtimes, the breakfast time is always a bit crazy in our house. uh, But most mealtimes, we sit around our table together, and we spend a moment, and we thank God for his provision. (coughs) Anyone else do that? You spend a moment, we thank God. And often there are more than just our family members. We've always got a few hangers on. And we spend time, and we, we sit at our table, and we've got the TV view here. We've only got three chairs, so I can see you all. But we sit at our table, and we take a moment, and we say, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you provided for us. Thank you especially for the person who helped make it for us. And, and we do this in our family all the time. We pray. Some of the prayers are longer than other times. It depends on how good the food is. If it's really good, we make really short prayers. <laughs> you know, it's going to get cold quickly. Pray it quick. Uh, some of the kids are kind of, come on, Dad, hurry up. I'm hungry. But we say thank you. And we never allow our children to leave the table until they just said thank you to the person who provided the food and made it. It's become what we do. See, thankfulness is where hospitality starts. But I'd also say it's also just basic manners. But actually, we're not really doing anything particularly special. We say thank you for what we've been given. I've been given something, I return that with a thank you. All we've done is equaled one another out. That's just the beginning. It's the basic level one of thankfulness. We sit at our tables. We say, God, thank you for your provision. Thank you to whoever cooked the meal and made the food. We're grateful. But we should be so much more than that for what God has given to us. God doesn't just provide us the basic necessities. He's gone beyond that. It starts with, God, thank you. And we sit at our tables and we sit around and we say, we're so thankful for what you've given to us. Hospitality starts with being thankful for God's provision to us and how we can then bless other people with what he's given us. It starts with being content. You know, comparison is the thief of all joy. And we do this a lot in our society. We compare ourselves with other people. We say, they've got more than me. They've got better than me. They've got a better job, better car, better house. Better looking wife, dangerous game. Those people over there, they've got more than I have. Why do we compare ourselves rather than saying, God, what you have given me, I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful. I want to say so. I want to say to the world, God has provided so many great things for me. And when we sit around this table and we have that moment, we can just remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done for us. You know, the truth is, and if you're a parent here in this room, you will know that that thankfulness isn't inbuilt in children. Anyone ever tried feeding a two-year-old? They don't go, thanks, tastes amazing. They might push it away. They might throw it on the floor. You know, with one of our children, we used to have a plastic mat because, you know, after mealtime, it was just like food everywhere. It was like an explosion of food. I won't tell you which child that was. But this idea that we we, we taught our children, we spent time with our children saying, no, before you get down, you say thank you. Before we start eating, we're going to say thank you. And it became a process of, as as adults teaching our children, this is how we're going to behave. This is how we're going to do it. But can I say to you, like I've just said, this is level one of thankfulness. Hospitality, the very basic level, is a response out of our thankfulness to God. But the next level, the mature level, the one that grown-ups need to learn how to do, Is what comes up in Psalm 23. That in spite of difficulties we face, in the middle of uncertainty, we remain thankful. It's easy to be thankful when someone's given you something. It's harder to be thankful when things are not going your way. But if we read um, from Psalm 23, I've put it in the King James Version because how I remembered it when I was a child. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not compare myself to others or desire for more. I have nothing that I need. I've got everything. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are With me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. There's more than enough when the cup runs over, you've overfilled at that point. Surely, says David, the writer of this psalm, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a great psalm, isn't it? It's a very well-known psalm. It's a psalm that's often read at people's funerals, often because that you know, walk into the valley, of the shadow of death. But you know, we believe in a God that is with us, that provides all of our needs, that gives us more than we need, so we never want. And I love this bit where kind of idea that you prepare a table before me. Not because you want to have a party, but in the middle of my enemies, in front of those who don't appreciate what I'm doing, you prepare a feast. So we need to be grateful, not because God has given us something, we respond with a, thank you, God, that's really kind of you. We say, God, right now, in this table, I'm surrounded by my enemies. I'm surrounded by my frustrations. I'm surrounded by my disappointments. I'm surrounded by my addictions and and habits I can't overcome. But in spite of those things... I say, thank you, God. In spite of the difficulties, in spite of the surrounded by my enemies, say, God, you're still good. You're still amazing. I'm not seeing it. I'm not experiencing it. I'm not feeling it. Because mature people do things when they don't feel like it. Kids go, I don't feel like being thankful, so I won't be thankful. True? Adults, we need to grow up and go, actually, God, you are good. I will be thankful. Yet there's stuff going on around me. People are seated around me. People are saying things about me. People are being unkind. But I'm still choosing to say, God, I'm going to be thankful. And I'm going to respond to your kindness, your generosity, your love by being kind and generous and loving to others. Those I don't know. That's the root of hospitality. Moses was teaching the followers of the people of Israel to be thankful when God provides. David was teaching us to be thankful in spite of our circumstances. I've been reading at the moment through the book of Job. It's a tough going book, those of who've read through their Bible. Job 13, a well-known phrase, Though he slays me, yet I'll still trust God. You're go, going, oh, I'm not really feeling it right now. It's not about feeling it. Even though I'm having a bad day, I'm choosing God, you're an amazing God. I'm choosing to love you and respond to you, I'll trust you. There's a well-known story of a fantastic-named guy called Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was a businessman in Chicago in 1873. The story goes like this. His wife, Anna, and their four daughters got on a boat to cross the Atlantic to go back to Europe, the ocean liner called Ville de Havre. And while they were on their way across, just the, the, the wife, Anna, and the four daughters, the husband, Horatio, stayed behind to do more business. Four days into their trip, they hit another boat the boat sank, and all four daughters were lost. Only his wife, Anna, survived. She makes it across to, um, to Cardiff, and she sends him a telegram and says, Saved alone, what should I do? So Horatio gets on the next boat to make his way over to England to, to join his wife to see what he can do. And the story goes like this. that After four days of his trip across the Atlantic, the ship's captain points out the place where his daughters were lost. And the story says he's reputed to have written the song, It Is Well With My Soul, at that point. The words he wrote were this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. A man who knew in the middle of difficulty, there's a place to say, it's well. But the sad truth is this. Some of us, you know, we get upset by someone. They blanked you in the supermarket. They said something unkind about you on Facebook. And we can't even sing a line from a song. We can't, I'm never going to do that again. I've been upset. I've been offended by somebody. So I choose to go, well, I can't thank God because I'm not feeling like it today. Here's a man who lost four daughters that chose to say, it is well with my soul. And as mature followers of Jesus Christ, we need to learn to say, in spite of our circumstances, we're choosing to be thankful people, hospitable people, not because we feel like it, because we are serving the God who lives like it and shows us how to live. To be hospitable, to love the stranger, it's not about our feelings, even about our attitude. It's just about being obedient because of who God is and what he has done for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Therefore, because of all these things, we're going to be hospitable to those we don't know, those we've never met for, the, the lonely, the unloved, the unlovable, the unknown, the person who's not quite the same as me, the person that thinks differently, the person I disagree with. I'm going to show them the love of God because God first loved me. Paul then goes on to another extreme. The writer in the New Testament in um, Philippians 1 says this. Paul says not be thankful because you've been given stuff or be thankful in spite of the enemies around you. Paul says this, that we should rejoice even when people are deliberately working against us. He encouraged us to be people of joy in spite of people deliberately working against us. In 1 Thessalonians 5 16, he says this he says, always be joyful. How are you all doing on that one so far? It's three words, one verse. Always be joyful. There is no middle kind of ground on that one. I think next slide, if that's okay, Billy. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. We're two verses in six words. How's everyone doing? We're all okay, we're all okay with this one. Joy is easy, prayer, no problem. We've nailed it. Be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Joyful, prayerful, thankful. I know this will be a shock to you. I've sometimes struggled with those. I had a moment earlier this year, you will know this, i a part of the church here, we had this incredible... Amazingly frustrating start to the year. We ended up going through three different office spaces. We started at the URC at the top of this Rapunzel's Tower with concrete spiral staircases. We escaped this incredibly beautiful, lovely, fantastic 3,000 square feet office space in the town centre with lift and everything. It was wonderful. And then within a month, we get a phone call saying, you need to get out. You've got 28 days. I wasn't feeling very joyful. I wasn't feeling very prayerful. I wasn't feeling very thankful. But, you know, I had to tell myself those words to be thankful in all circumstances. I was absolutely resolute, going, I'm not seeing it, I'm not feeling it, but I am believing a God who will provide. I believe in a God that regardless of what I can see is doing stuff beyond what I'm able to see. That he is at work behind my back. And so I choose to be thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't say one of those misquoted verses of the Bible, it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. Listen, sometimes life is pretty bad, isn't it? Life is messed up and we have gone through some tough stuff in our family, I'm sure you have as well, and there are some things we go through that we are not thankful for those experiences. But even in the middle of it, Paul encourages us to be thankful, to be joyful, to be prayerful, because that's where hospitality starts when we express God's love for us through the way that we behave each day. Let's get that worship band up, shall we, to lead in a time of worship. is bring our time to the end. We mustn't be people who just give thanks when we feel like it. We believe in a generous, kind, extravagant, loving God. Let's make sure we live as people who reflect the heart of God. Let's stand, shall we, if you're able to. As we start this series on adventures in hospitality, I want to challenge you this week. Can you be someone who lives a thankful, joyful, prayerful life this week in spite of the enemies that sit around you? In spite of the circumstances you might be dealing with right now? You go, I'm going to set my face like flint, the psalmist says. I'm going to say, where's my help come? It comes from God, the, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where it comes from. I'm not feeling it. I'm not sensing it. I'm not getting much love from my friends and my family, but I'm trusting in the God who provides all my needs. Our hospitality starts with our thankfulness for all that generous Father God has given to us. I want to encourage this week to look for opportunity to be hospitable to someone you don't know very well. It doesn't have to be anything big. It could be making a, a colleague at work a cup of tea or coffee. It could be a smile to a stranger who's looking a little bit stressed. Just look for opportunities to be hospitable to others. To go, what can I do to make a difference to someone else's life? How could I see transformation? Let's be adventurous. Let's do something that scares us a little bit. Is that all right? It scares us a little bit. Not too much. Don't do do dangerous health and safety. But go and do something that kind of, ah, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know you, but I'm not always very comfortable going up to strangers and saying, hello, how are you doing? Can we, this week, try and do something we've never done before, be adventurous in our hospitality, reflect the heart, the love, the passion of God who we serve, and see what difference he can make. Who's up for that? Yeah? Come and tell stories next week. We'd love to hear what God's been doing in your life. And let's go for those adventures and hospitality the next few weeks. Thank you, Jim. Sorry. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.